Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Religious freedom, cryptocurrency, desperate Kaepernick, and more. I'm Tommy Laren. I'm fearless, and my show starts right now. The Supreme Court has been on quite a roll this summer, churning out wins for states' rights, gun rights, and now religious freedom and liberty. This is Coach Kennedy, formerly a coach for Bremberton High School's varsity football team for seven years. Since he was hired in 2008, Coach Kennedy chose to quietly pray at the 50-yard line after football games. It didn't become some big to-do until players started joining him on the field for prayer. Oh, the horror, right? After being reprimanded for leading his players in prayer in locker rooms and on the field, Coach Kennedy stopped, but that wasn't good enough for the school because he still prayed alone on the field after games. Again, oh, the horror. Because of this, he was put on paid leave before the head coach recommended he not be rehired and was given a poor performance evaluation. Not because he was a bad coach, because he chose to pray alone on the field after games. Instead of taking his forced retirement and walking away with his tail between his legs, he stood up for himself and the rest of us who will never apologize for our beliefs, especially our Christian ones. No, Coach Kennedy sued, stating the school district violated his First Amendment rights. But this case made it all the way to the highest court, which ruled 6-3 in favor of Coach Kennedy. Not only was his post-game praying private speech that did not breach the separation of church and state, the district violated his rights. Yeah, you're damn right they did. This is a great victory, but just as I always do, I'm going to point out the left's unmistakable hypocrisy. So the leftists are upset with this decision and don't want prayer in school or on a damn football field after a game, but are perfectly fine with administrators, teachers, and their curriculum pushing gender identity agenda on kindergartners? Prayer on the field after a game, bad. Bringing drag queens into classrooms and convincing third graders their gender is fluid, heroic. Mm, no. These libs also have no problem and implore so-called educators to preach communism and push racist critical race theory. Imagine that. They don't want religion in schools, but communism, socialism, and BLM domestic terrorism is all A-OK. Why? Well, because it reinforces their woke narrative and agenda, of course. Coach Kennedy never forced his players to pray. They weren't compelled. Were they inspired by his faith? Maybe. Again, oh, the horror. Wouldn't want high schoolers in this mostly effed up moral society to be inspired to learn the gospel too dangerous. We all know damn well if Coach Kennedy had taken a knee or even burned down the freaking school in the name of BLM or George Floyd, these rabid leftists would have excused and glorified it, making Coach Kennedy their new martyr. There's a separation between church and state that wasn't breached by Coach Kennedy. The left is just pissed that the word of God was making more of an impact on students by their own choosing than the word of Karl Marx. Too bad, so sad, religious freedom wins. But up next, we're switching gears to all things Bitcoin, crypto, and NFT. I have no idea what any of those things are or how to use them, but I'm about to get a lesson and you are too. That's next. 
Welcome back, and I'll be honest with you, I have no freaking clue what a Bitcoin or an NFT is, and the only Doge I'm familiar with is hip-hop artist Doja Cat, but I like money, and I want to get to the bottom of this whole cryptocurrency thing, and who better to teach me all about it than the man who negotiated the deal to install the first Bitcoin ATM in 2014, which still blows my mind, by the way. He also helped Ethereum, whatever the hell that is, be famous back in 2017 when it was just $19, and for reference, it's now over $1,000. Not only is Dan a crypto master, a sensei of the metaverse, if you will, but he also happens to be a damn good businessman and entrepreneur. Dan is the youngest founder of a publicly traded company in history. If there's anyone I trust to break this all down for me and for all of you, it's Dan the man Fleischman, and he joins me now, and I got your last name right. It was perfect. I literally know nothing about... Bitcoin, NFT, I see a lot about it. Now, Bitcoin is, to me is a little easier to understand than some of the other things, but I need like a real elementary education into what this is. You've been in it for a long time, and please tell me how this all works. So Bitcoin is the same thing as money, except you don't have a bank as an intermediary. So I can send you money. If I send you money through PayPal or a bank, they make fees. If I send you Bitcoin, there's no they, just me to you. I can send you $40 or $40 million in a few seconds compared to waiting for like a wire transfer, which could take days. You have to explain it to me. So you use actual money to buy Bitcoins. Yes. And I have props here because I'm a prop person. Yep. These are obviously not real Bitcoins, but for my mind here, we're going to call these Bitcoins. Yep. So I can just say that this is worth $20 right. and I can send it to you, but I have to spend actual money to get something like this. You have to explain this to me because it still boggles my mind. So a Bitcoin right now is around $20,000. But I can send you $20, $200, a penny, or the full 20000 right? So you don't have to send a full Bitcoin. A lot of people think you have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You don't. You can send a tiny fraction. Now, when I send it to you, I can send it to you a lot of different ways. I can send it to you on something like Coinbase, which is a platform. I can write it down on a napkin, which is a code. I can literally hand you a code on a napkin, $40 or $40 million. And that's worth something. Yes. But what's to stop me from just saying, like, this is, here you go, here's $40 because I wrote it on a napkin, Correct. and here we go, buy me a house. You so know? That's, the, that's the actual best part about it is what's called the blockchain. The blockchain is irrefutable, meaning there are thousands and thousands of people or hundreds of people or dozens of people that will say, Tommy gave me $40. If they don't all agree, then Tommy didn't give me $40. Until they all agree, and they're going to get a little piece of the 40 bucks. So they'll get a couple pennies, maybe almost a whole dollar, for saying... Tommy sent Dan $40 or $40 million. It's the same concept. But the people is what makes it perfect. That's the blockchain. The blockchain is a whole lot of people all over the world that have laptops and computers that are verifying Tommy gave Dan $40. Once that happens, it happens forever. On this date, at this time, this $40 happened. Nobody can argue it because lots of people agreed upon it, not just one person. Okay, so then how do you buy actual things with it? Because I met a waiter in Tampa Bay who told me he bought his house with Bitcoin. I still don't understand it. How do you exchange it for material items? So the company, the person, the realtor, the landlord, Walmart, PayPal, they have to accept Bitcoin. So the merchant, just like they have to accept Amex, you know some places you go, they don't accept Amex because the fees are right. too high. Some people don't accept Discover cards because who cares about Discover cards, <laughs> right? So it depends on the place. They have to accept it. If they accept Bitcoin, then you can pay with it. If they don't accept it, then you can't pay with it. So there are a lot of platforms that accept it. Household names, again, like Walmart and Shopify, PayPal, these big corporations are utilizing Bitcoin. Now, four years ago, uh -uh, wasn't happening. Two years ago, kind of. Now it's becoming super mainstream, and countries all over the world, household name corporations are all starting to accept Bitcoin. 
So talk to me about the ATM. There is an you helped establish the deal to get that yep. first ATM in Las Vegas, right? Yes. So how does that work, and how do you get? I mean, if I go and put money in the ATM or I take money out, yes. I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting these beautiful plastic coins. So what am I actually getting? You're getting a receipt that's going to have a code. That code, let's say you're depositing $1,000, that code will be your $1,000. You can then take that $1,000 code and you can use it to withdraw or add in or deposit on another ATM or on a laptop anywhere in the world. So it's similar if you go to Wells Fargo Bank of America, you deposit $1,000, right? You can go to another ATM anywhere in the world and withdraw it. It's the same concept with a Bitcoin ATM. Now, it's confusing because eight years ago when I first installed this Bitcoin ATM that was at the D Casino in Las Vegas, Imagine explaining a Bitcoin ATM to a governor, a casino owner in 2014. It's hard now. That's why we're yeah. here, right? It's still confusing now. Imagine eight years ago, it looked like I had three heads. And so why did they do it? Casinos are a very strict financial location, right? They don't allow anything. They're stricter than an actual bank. They wanted it because imagine it's Friday night. It's 9.42 p.m. And you and your husband, you're out there gambling, and you're like, dang it, I lost my 1000 bucks. I want another $1,000. How are you supposed to get another $1,000 to this casino at 9.42 p.m. in Las Vegas? The wire transfer is not going to work. won't get there till Monday. Your ATM, you already maxed it out. You already withdrew 1000 bucks. You can't get another 1000 With a Bitcoin ATM, you can get it in seconds. But there still has to be money to back that up. Yes. So Bitcoin, the reason that you see the price fluctuate so much is because it's supply and demand. So Bitcoin right now crashed down to 20000 Did it crash to 20000 or a few years ago, it was only 400 bucks. So did it go up 5,000% or 50,000% or is it down 30%? And why so is I, it down? You have to explain this to me too because I, I hear the reports about it, of course, on Fox Business all mm -hmm. the time. They talk about crypto and Bitcoin, but I don't know <clears throat> what makes that kind of a market go up and down. Strictly supply and demand. It's what people are willing to pay for it today. The reason there's fluctuations is this situation right now, we could be in a recession and so people sell their Bitcoin. Some people want to buy it because of that because it's a good store of value. Some people are freaking out and they want to get cash, US dollars, back into the bank account, they sell it. Some major hedge funds, well, they over leverage themselves. So they started selling a billion dollars, two billion dollars of Bitcoin. It crashes because you have to have what's called a catcher's mitt. The same concept in the stock market. If a bunch of people sell the Snapchat stock or Disney stock or Netflix stock because they're woke, well, the stock's gonna go down. If there's no one to wanna buy Netflix stock or Disney stock, then the stock price goes down. You need what's called a catcher's mitt. You need people on the other side to buy something, otherwise the price keeps going lower and lower and lower until someone pays for it. That's, that's just what happened in Bitcoin. Some major hedge funds, a lot of people started selling it due to the re potential recession, and there's not enough of a catcher's mitt to catch it. So it can go from 30 or 40,000 down to 20 really quickly. Same way Disney or Netflix stock can go down really quickly. If no one's there to buy it up at a certain price, the price is just gonna keep going down. What the heck is a Dogecoin or whatever? It's, it's, I see the little dog thing. <laughs> Are there different kinds of Bitcoins that have different fun things on them, like the little charms you put on your Crocs? Because that's what I imagine it as, really. So, so there's thousands and thousands of different cryptocurrencies, but Bitcoin and Dogecoin have nothing to do with each other. They're two okay, different worlds. Then please tell me what the heck this Dogecoin is then. It's as useless as these coins are. <laughs> okay, to everybody nothing. or just to you, Dan? They're nothing. Dogecoin is nothing. There's no, nothing backing it. There's no use to it. It was meant as a meme. It was a joke. That okay. The joke went super viral, and then Elon Musk starts talking about it, and all of a sudden it becomes this huge thing. Now, because it's all of a sudden worth billions of dollars for no reason at all other than meme culture, now, because they have so much capital behind them, 
it's becoming a real thing. They're going to try to make it into a utility that actually does something, but it does nothing yet. But it's not a Bitcoin? No. Two different okay. things. There's, there's almost 10,000 different cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, these are all separate different cryptocurrencies. And you made Ethereum a thing. You well, made I, Fetch happen. Yeah. So, I, so tell me about that. So back in 2017, I did this tweet and a Facebook post saying, look, Ethereum's $19. I just researched it. There's a big thing called the Ethereum Alliance, which was like, all these major corporations are going to use Ethereum, and they're going to use it in their back end, the blockchain part of it. I think it's very interesting. If it's good enough for the lawyers of Oracle and Microsoft, I'm interested in it. So I just bought a bunch. So this post goes viral. Forbes, Inc., everybody starts making this whole articles about this post. So it goes from 19 bucks to 40 bucks to $200 to $500, back to back to back to back. Now it sits at around $1,000. The reason for it was why it was interesting back then, I had bought it at $19. I'm still a buyer now because I believe in what it does. It has a true function to it. Dogecoin has no function. You can, I wouldn't pay a penny for a Dogecoin. Ethereum, I'll pay $1,000 or $1,200 or $2,000 for it because of what it does. It makes business perfect. There's no reason that we have realtors that have an insurance person, a commercial broker, a notary, and this person has to do, there's like 14 people involved in a real estate transaction. When with the blockchain, it's one-to-one. -one. I should be able to sell my house to Tommy right now. So it's like bartering. Yes. It's essentially yes. glorified bartering. Yes. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense to me now. Now we have to go into the world of NFTs. Okay. So I was asked about a month ago to post an NFT. It was like a Donald Trump NFT, right? Yep. It was a video. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It was like Donald Trump charging with an army. <laughs> it was weird. I said, listen, you guys are offering me a lot of money to promote this, but I can't in good faith promote this because it's weird as hell to me. Good. So I passed on it. Good. Passed on a lot of money for that. Yep. But I still don't get it because I'm like, okay, well, you guys just sent me this. And if I put it up and I say it's worth this, why can't people not just screen record or screenshot it? What is the value of an NFT? Sure. So NFT is a non-fungible token. It is proof that someone owns it. So let's say you take a screenshot or a picture of a Lamborghini. Well, you don't have the keys to the Lamborghini. You don't have the insurance. You don't have the permit. You can't sell the Lamborghini. You just took a picture of it. Same thing of a house. So let's say I go to Tommy's house, and there's a Lamborghini outside, and there's a house. Dan can walk by and take a picture of the Lambo, take a picture of Tommy's house. I don't have the keys to get in to either, right? The NFT proves that Tommy does. That's what a non-fungible token is. It proves you are the owner of that Lambo or of that house. Well, I get it when it's a Lambo or a house, but this is a, a Donald Trump meme charging with an army. I don't get the value of that. <laughs> like, why? I just watched it. Why do I need to own it if everyone's going to watch because it anyway? It's the art stuff and the, the video stuff that I don't understand. Because there's only still a, a limited amount. So let's say that there's 10,000 of those in the world, and they sent you number one. Only Tommy owns number one. And but so why, why is that valuable to me? Why is a video like that valuable? Or why is a... Why is a, a piece of art that someone drew or, or made on their computer with a graphics program, yeah. why is that valuable? And I'm not saying it isn't, I just don't understand it's, it's it. It's a fair question. It's the same concept as the Mona Lisa. Right. You could put the Mona Lisa right here that you bought at the local art store and you paid 40 bucks for it, but you're never going to have the one worth 40 million sitting up on the inside of the Vatican or sitting inside of a, but it's a museum. it's digital. That's what I don't get because it's digital. It's, it's a, like all the, all the pictures in my phone that I never a, print out. It's just that time evolves. And so okay. when Mona Lisa happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago, now technology is the same concept. I can make that dress you're wearing, I can make that into an NFT. I can make this picture of you, this scene of you right now, into an NFT. And then your audience can determine, is this scene of Tommy Loren worth $20 or $2,000 or $20,000 of this moment? Because this moment, nobody else can own it but you.
It's like a very spiritual thing. It also sounds a little bit like OnlyFans. People determine <laughs> how much a foot picture is worth. Or how, th that's what it sounds like to me. It's similar. It's, it's, uh, you know what? I'm glad that we got all the way there because now it's making sense to me. NFTs are like a marketplace like OnlyFans and people determine the value of things. Yes. It's, okay. I, my mind is still boggled by it. But again, where do we see this going? Is the government going to start regulating this and it's going to be just like paper money? Is it ever going to be backed by anything? Where, where are we headed? So here's the hard part for the government in this situation. They can't stop Bitcoin. And it's frustrating to them. There's no CEO of Bitcoin, so there's nobody to arrest. There's no bank account for Bitcoin, so there's no money to seize. There's no offices for Bitcoin, so they can't come in with helicopters and raid the place. It just doesn't exist. Nothing. They can't stop it. I can hand you $40, I can hand you $40 million, and there's nobody else to make fees on it. There's no way for them to stop it because I can put it on a napkin. I can write it on this wood. I can write your code onto this wooden table right now. And so for the government's perspective, that's scary because they want to control it. They want to make money on it. They want to tax it. They want to tax it three, four, or five times, just like they do with the US dollar. They can't do that here. So they currently cannot tax the Bitcoins. Oh. So when people like the mayor of New York, I think he's getting paid in Bitcoin, that's untaxable income then? When he withdraws it from an exchange to his bank account, that's taxable income. But so when it's just sitting there in the, the ether, then yeah. it's just... When it's sitting on a wallet, or sitting on a napkin, or sitting on this wooden table, it's not in my bank account. And until I've made profits from it, they can't tax it. Now, can they regulate the exchange like Coinbase and their competitors? Of course. Can they figure out, just like you've seen in China and other countries, they can regulate the exchanges. They can't regulate Bitcoin itself because who? No CEO, there's no office, there's no bank account. Wow. Again, this all blows my mind. I'm going to need more lessons in this, but I am so overwhelmed by this lesson. It's like a firehouse. We're going we're gonna to leave it here. But Dan, thank you, because I am not the only one who doesn't understand Bitcoin. Correct. Okay, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people pretend to understand it, because yes. it sounds cool to understand it, but they don't really understand it. Now I know that Dogecoin is worthless. Yes. Now I know you can buy a house in, with Bitcoin. Yep. Now I know that NFTs are basically like OnlyFans of currency. <laughs> and now I know everything that I need to know for today. For today. Dan, thank you so much for being Absolutely. here. And uh, for explaining all this to me, and I will definitely be hitting you up when I choose to buy a house in Bitcoin. Perfect. So let's keep that stock high. Whatever you can do, send out a tweet or something. You, you know it. what I mean? Yep. Or keep it low and then put it high. I'll let you know when I'm ready. <laughs> let Nancy Pelosi know too, because she's, you know. She already knows. She likes the she stock knows. market she knows. really well. <laughs> all right, Dan, thanks so much. All right, so up next, when I heard this vax-critical, free-speech-loving, cis-male comedian was performing right here in Nashville, well, you know I had to invite him in. So Tyler Fisher joins me next. Yeah, hi. This is just a little message to all the comedians on the internet who think they can just say whatever they want. Okay, free speech is racist, it's homophobic, it's transphobic. And by the way, by the way, <sighs> you will not be successful. Any comedian who thinks they're a free speech and a freedom fighter, they will not be successful. Okay, you will fail. Nobody's watching your stupid sketches, okay? Nobody's making fun of you. They're making fun of you. That's what they're doing. You'll be, you're going to be poor, okay? You're not going to have a house or anything, okay? So just, just Stop it. Would you get off my property? <sighs> racist. Racist people in Texas. It's hot and it's racist. Oh, and that couldn't be more spot on. Joining me now is comedian Tyler Fisher. Tyler, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad we could wrangle you here in Nashville. Uh, I looked at all your content and I thought, that's the guy that I need here. Well, thanks for having me. So I want to talk about that because the hissing, spot on. I was at the first um, women's march 
I wasn't at it. I was in D.C. for the inauguration, and they happened to be there. And I hid in my hotel room, but I could hear the hissing hear the from hissing. my hotel. I could hear it, the hissing and the clawing, the whatever. Of- but they're rabid at this point. I mean, they're angry. They are very angry, the left is. They're very, very angry. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're angry about. I guess, uh, well, everything, really. We know what they're angry about now. But they were angry before that. I mean, the guy that they wanted, his teleprompter and him are both in the White House, but they're still angry. And then now, of course, over the Roe v. Wade stuff. But I want to ask you about that. Not about Roe v. Wade. Sure. we're not going to get into that. Not this kind Oh, of yes, segment. we will. Okay. But no. <laughs> this is what I noticed after looking at the protests. Um, they all have a similar look, the protesters. And, you know, I don't like to stereotype, but I, I look at the protesters and, you know, I, I look at their signs and I look at their, you know, their general hygiene and I'm noticing a common theme. <laughs> Are you noticing the same thing? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I look like a homeless caddy right now, so I can't really uh, speak to all the, all the hair. I'm a very hair-positive person. But also, I was going to go to the My Body, My Choice protest, but I, didn't, I chose not to get vaccinated, so of course I wouldn't be welcome right. to that. So Isn't that funny? It is funny. It's In the fun. same week, they'll say the same thing. But then they tell us, though, that the vaccine, I know that you're vax critical. I don't like to call people anti-vaxxers. No. I call I just, them vax critical. It doesn't mean we're against vaccines. It means we're critical and we ask questions, and that is okay. It, when you're going to inject something in your body, it'd be okay to maybe ask a question or two, right? Maybe know some long-term side effects. I don't know. Just yeah, spitballing just wanted, here. just wanted to wait a bit and but see, they, like, if people start dropping dead. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'll get it at some point. But. Yeah. Well, you, you're, you're about four too late because I think <laughs> yeah. they're working on the fifth right now. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't yeah, know. Dr. Fauci, I think he has a 30 vaccine plan, you know. So, you know, the first one really, Tommy's really just to loosen up the vein to get it ready for the third and fourth shot. And then we'll go to 30 and we'll explain. I think really by Christmas 2046, we could think about reopening. So I've lost track of what the hell is going on. Yeah, I, you know, I think that the the left has kind of given up a little bit of their forced vaccine talk because now they've moved on to another agenda item. It's always, you know, it's either COVID or racism or women's rights, which is weird because they can't define a woman, but they know what her rights are. But they also think that trans people should be able to compete against women. I mean, cognitive dissonance on <sighs> steroids. But right now, the protesters, they're... They're out in the streets and you they're ready re- to go. You can really just sit back and just watch them implode. It's all start, everything's starting to contradict itself. So I'm just trying to have fun with it as a comedian right now. Uh, I'm not, I don't even have a political affiliation, but right now the hilarious stuff happens to be happening on the left. So why not take advantage of it? What is the reaction that you get? Because you live in New York. So yeah. I feel like your type of comedy, well, it might go over well very in Nashville. Um, people would receive it well. In New York, What's it like? It actually, it, it gets received pretty well in New York, too. I think when you're in a comedy club, it's, it's like a safe space, as they like to say. You know, you're in a dark room. You, nobody can see your face. I think pe- people's true sense of humor comes out. So I do the same set that I do in New York, in Texas, in Nashville. And people, I think they're, they're like, just so hungry to laugh, you know? So, um and I also film them to hold them accountable. If I say anything racist, then everybody comes goes down with the ship. So, <laughs> you recently did some material on. Of course, we're in Pride Month. We got a few days left of Pride Month. Yes, now. Happy Done Pride. Some material on that. Uh, how is that received? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I you know I'm a, a straight white cis male, as I'm told. But I was actually raised by a gay. My dad is gay, 
So I've been since I was seven going to the parades and doing everything. And still to this day, people are like, you're not doing enough. You're not, you have to be an ally. And I always go, well, what does that mean? Like, just show up. Show up where? Just be there. I'm like, we're just hang around gay people. I don't know what to do. Just offer my body up. What left is there to do? But the thing about these pride parades, at this point, it's mostly straight white women. They yeah. are at them. Yeah, there's more straight people at these parades. More than, allies. Uh, they just want to wear weird outfits. I'm convinced because I look at all these. I see all the housewives going there. I see all these people <laughs> at pride parades, and they're they're allies, right? But they just want to wear weird stuff. It's like Halloween. You get a pass to dress like, you know, exactly not yeah. tastefully. The pride parade should be in October. It should all just be a Halloween dress up month. Yes. I am not really allowed to say these things. Not that I don't. I do. Yes, you are. I say them, but I. I don't get away with it as much as those in the comedy world, but that's also changing. I mean, comedians, you see what they did to Dave Chappelle, and they don't, they don't even care when people rush the stage. If you're against the narrative, you deserve to get tackled. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I don't think people just have to stop apologizing. Even Dave Chappelle, he doesn't owe any apology or explanation. You just get up there and you do it, and you don't, you know, you don't apologize. I learned that from Jordan Peterson. You know, it's like... You just can't apologize. Just, damn it, the left has gone too far. You gotta clean your room. Racist. Are you good at impressions, obviously? That's okay. one of your bits, okay? Yeah. So who are some people you could do for us? Could you do a Joe? I mean, there's not really a Joe Biden. There's not really much of, it's more of a like a mutter. Yeah, yeah. There's not really a, a whole lot of words. But you know, Tyler, they told us when he was shaking hands with the air that time, they told us that that was fact check false. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was a person? When he was like this, it was like, a... <laughs> we said he's shaking hands with the air. Actually, not true. I have to ask you, though, about this. Did you see that video of Nancy Pelosi pushing Myra Flores' elbowing that girl? Yes. And did you see her explanation for that? No, I didn't see it. She said she was trying to move the girl closer to the camera so she wouldn't be cut out of the photo. Yeah, With yeah. her elbow, she was just gently moving her. Yeah, and the guy who pushed a woman into the subway tracks in New York, he was just trying to get her on the train. Same, <laughs> yeah. same Didn't want her to be late. Yeah, no, Joe, I like, uh, he'll start really, like, strong in his speeches, and then he'll whisper, like, the most important part, you know? It's the greatest country in the world. We got built back better, Ty. We got built back better. But first, first, Jack, come on. Not a joke. First, we need to stop. Systematically. <laughs> and then he's always worried about getting in trouble. Yeah, I don't want to I have to trouble. stop talking. They're going <laughs> to, who, who, who? Yeah. Who is getting the president of the United States in trouble? And should that be <laughs> worrisome for us? Oh, it's terrifying. I, I wonder, he, so he fell up go, walking up the stairs, and then he fell off the bike. I'm hoping for his final trick, he tries to ride a bike up the stairs of Air Force One. I'm not seeing that, that probably might, happening. That might put him out. You got any good Trump impressions for us? Because... Frankly, I don't really like to do the Trump, you know, on the spot, right? It's, it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's not great, but as long as you... You do this a little bit. But Sleepy Joe is so asleep, he's practically dead. And you got to do the sniff. That's really, the, the sniff is underrated. And you got to clap at the crowd. That's what he does for the first 20 minutes. I love, he'll just, he'll just point and clap. He's just happy crowd. to be there. Honestly, and they're there. happy to have him. Yeah. They're happy to have yeah, him. Yeah, no, Trump's hilarious. I think no matter what anyone thinks of him, he's the funniest president we've ever had. Definitely the funniest. Yeah. 
the impressions are great. I think Joe Biden, you nailed the impression. We don't get to hear from him a whole lot. So there's not a lot of material with which to work, except for when he's making his gaffes. Yeah. But uh, the leftist media, though, there's some good, some good folks in there. Yeah. Some, let's see. I don't know who. I, I can't watch it anymore. It's, it, there's too much. We got a good Joy Behar. Joy <laughs> Behar. No. Um, wait, Joy, is that the one from The View? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. She's uh, the one, just a couple weeks ago, she said, when black people start getting guns, that's when they're going to change the law. Like, oh, okay, well, that's a very racist thing to say, but by all means, Joy, as you can sit on the circle and say that because you're Joy Behar, but... Oh, gosh, it's intolerable. I would do her voice, but it might actually blow out the, the microphone. It is, an, it is an interesting voice. Yeah, yeah. So where do we go from here in comedy? I think, you know, if comedians, ju- again, just tell jokes like they did 10 years ago, not apologize for it, and uh, not explain yourself... I think people will slowly get back on board with um, just, you know, making fun of everything. Well, I think that that's a great message. Yeah. When are you going to come move to Nashville? You know, Theo Vaughn has moved here. John Chris has moved here. Maybe it's time for you to move here. They don't push vaccines here. Yeah. And I think you'd enjoy Nashville, Tennessee. I'm sold. Yeah. I think you should. I'm tired of hating myself. In New York, you just walk down the street and everyone's like, just shaming you for something. And then you don't have to sit in those little indoor-outdoor restaurants that they currently have blocking all of the streets and making traffic a nightmare. Yeah, in a bus lane. Right. Yeah. Well, they're uh, they're looking to bring COVID back. So I was there. I'm going there this weekend. But I'm thinking, why haven't they maybe moved these away? And then it really hit me. No, Midterms coming are coming back. up, and then 2024 is coming up, so we got to have people scared of something, whether it's COVID or monkeypox or... I don't know what else. They got to leave them there in case people are no longer allowed to go inside. Yeah, it's not going to change. It's sad. And Mayor Eric Adams, unfortunately, um, slightly a little stupider than the last mayor. So I don't think there's Oh, I don't know. I think there's a lot of ground to cover before he's worse than de Blasio, but he's working on it. He is working on it. Oh, man. Yeah, I think he's uh, his new policy, I think he's giving homeless people Teslas now. Oh, good. To punish Elon Musk. So all the Teslas go to the homeless people, gets them off the streets. And then they're driving around in electric cars, which saves the planet. So, Well, hey, you got to do what you can. Yeah. All right, Tyler, thank you so much Thanks for being for here. Thanks for having me. Come back to Nashville anytime. We'll welcome you with open arms. And uh, be careful out there. The protesters, they're wild. We don't have them in Nashville, but I'm sure you got them in New York. <laughs> so if you go hang around Fox News long enough, you're bound to get no, a hiss here and there. Stay away from there. <laughs> All right. Well, up next, Kaepernick and Kaepernick's remaining fans just don't know when to quit. My final thoughts are next. When the Coach Kennedy right to pray Supreme Court decision was announced, some folks, and when I say folks, I mean liberals who don't likely watch football anyway, were quick to compare that case to their beloved washed-up martyr quarterback turned activist, Colin Kaepernick. Thanks to woke Twitter and its algorithms, Kaepernick even started trending on Twitter. Side note, every time I see Cap trending on Twitter, I think maybe a team was dumb enough to pick him up, but no, it's always just a story of victimhood or a desperate attempt to resurrect his failed career from the dead. Which brings me back to my point. No, an otherwise successful coach being canned for praying alone on the field after games is not the same as Kaepernick opting out of his contract with the 49ers to become a free agent. Yeah, I bet a lot of y'all forgot that fact, huh? He freaking opted out of his contract. Yeah, he would have been released anyway, but not for his kneeling tantrum, for the fact that he wasn't good enough to be a starting quarterback. And that's what started this whole damn saga, mind you. 
Kaepernick didn't start off the season kneeling. He started it sitting the bench when the 49ers made Blaine Gabbert the starter. Then, miraculously and all at once, Kaepernick got hit with the oppression bug and turned his bench pouting into a statement on police brutality. So let's review. Cap bench, cap pout, cap kneels for injustice. But Kaepernick still maintains he isn't in the NFL because he's oppressed and discriminated against. But that alleged oppression and discrimination has been quite lucrative for him, though. He settled his grievance claim with the league with a payout that's rumored to be in the tens of millions and since has been showered with endorsement deals and a Netflix series. A Netflix series wherein he compared the NFL to slavery. Weird that Kaepernick is now apparently begging to be enslaved to a team. Any team, he's that desperate. And when he was given the chance for an NFL workout in 2019, he didn't freaking show up. So what gives, buddy? But again, let's reiterate. Colin Kaepernick isn't playing because Colin Kaepernick isn't good enough to play. And he didn't start to suck at football because of his BLM oppression. He started sucking before that. Yes, his kneeling was divisive, annoying, and ridiculous, but that's not why he ain't playing. At one point, was Colin good enough to be a backup quarterback? Sure, maybe. But no team is going to bring on a backup QB that sucks all of the air and attention away from their starter. And Kaepernick is the definition of an attention suck. He's a professional attention suck, really. So all of that comes back to the point. No. Coach Kennedy praying on the field alone after high school football games and getting canned for it isn't the same as Colin being replaced as a starter because he sucked, pouting on the bench because he's a crybaby, kneeling for the anthem because he's an opportunistic victim, opting out of his contract because he's greedy, not showing up for the workout that he was given because he's an indulgent diva, or not being in the NFL because he's not freaking good enough to be in the NFL. And those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.